Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Paul Calvisi joins me, and Paul is in a very good mood because after some initial hesitation, we are in agreement. Or I should say, I agree with Paul. Zayvon Collins is an outside linebacker. Now, nothing official from the team, but that's what we're going with. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 648, and it starts now. Ding! Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Buda Baker, what heart, what threat. This guy's unbelievable. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, half a five. He's in again. Some more Murray magic. Wow. Here's Craig Grealoux. So if there's one thing that we have learned here from new head coach Jonathan Gannon, that there are two things to live by. Team first, you second. And that's just not the players. The trickle down, Paul, is to us here within the Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center because it is all about the team, and you made that sacrifice earlier during week three on Monday. OTAs continue, and there was Paul Calvisi doing the good deed of the day. I, I did. Coming through for Wait, re- Refresh my memory. Yeah, refresh my memory here. What did I do exactly? All right. Now, technically speaking, this was not during the open portion of practice, but it was so far <laughs> I see. that I think we can – I think we can pull the curtains back just a little bit. But there was big number 76, Will Hernandez, in between position drills, walking from one field to the next, and he was stopping every so often asking someone, any gum? You got a piece of gum? And he goes, shaking head, no, no, shaking head. And then he comes to you, Paul, and he looks and goes, got any gum? And you put your left hand in your pocket and reached out, and I'm guessing it was gum. Maybe it was a hard candy, who knows, but (laughs) – Will took it, yeah. and who knows? The rest of the practice, he was the best offensive lineman. At least that's what I heard. Well, okay, there might be cause and effect, a correlation between his performance and, and the gum factor. We'll see. I don't think that's considered a performance enhancer, is it? <laughs> Otherwise, Will Hernandez might be in trouble right about now. I don't know if they're testing this time of year. No, it was just gum. Uh, first off, I'm used to guys the size of Will Hernandez shaking me down for my milk money, my lunch money. So um, I, I'm used to reaching into my pockets when intimidators like Will Hernandez come up. Although he actually said please and thank you. So he was okay. very he was that very, I did not hear. He's very well mannered. Here's the other thing, Gree, is that when you're on the sideline, you are used to doing what you can on behalf of the players. It's not just the trainers. It's not just the equipment guys uh, or the dude with the oxygen bottle. I mean, you know, it's the sideline reporters as well. Over the years, I've furnished a lot of pens, (laughs) paper. That you never get back, by the way, right? Oh, never get them back. Yeah, Darnell Dockett owes me about 17 (laughs) pens and three pads of paper. I'll just say sometimes they borrowed my headset. Now I do get that back. Uh, Almost didn't get the microphone back from Doc once upon a time. In this case, it was gum. And what was interesting was it was a half piece of gum because I grabbed a piece of gum on my way down to the field, split it in half, and then I had the other half in my pocket, and uh, I said, it's only half a piece. Well, he said, that's fine, and boom, there you go. He said, thanks, and he kept moving. Flavor? It was uh, it was peppermint actually peppermint. peppermint. Okay. So uh, yeah, I don't know if the nose tackle you know in the B gap actually found <laughs> out if that was peppermint or not, but that's what it was. Might have to do some further digging. Like why? What? What was the need 
Why, why did Will Hernandez require gum, and not just any gum, but Paul Calvisi gum? Like, if this was baseball, and somebody comes up and asks you for some seeds yeah, or some seeds, gum, yeah. or okay, but yeah, yes. offensive line, that is a new one for me. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Then again, you know, I've also been attacked from behind on the sideline with the smelling salts. That's that's <laughs> that will get your attention when all of a sudden you're just you know minding your own business, watching the game, and yeah. then boom, you you get the smelling salts in the nostril. All right, so that was, I would say, the highlights of OTAs on Monday. But we do have some news here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. And I would, dare I say, Paul, that this is breaking news. Dare I say that if it, that was the biggest news, the gum story, <laughs> then we should just end Cardinals Cover 2 right now. But it isn't, thankfully. Now, this is not from the team. But we are going to say it here on Cards Cover 2, something that you have said now for weeks, and I've kind of pushed back a little bit, but there was a conversation during today's OTA. You've seen the light, Gray. Between myself and, I guess, our direct boss, Darren Urban, director of editorial content, the senior writer for azcardinals.com. Be free from the roster they've issued. Because the big topic of conversation this entire offseason, well, there have been many, but one of the big topics, at least when it comes to on the field, has been Zayvon Collins. Inside linebacker, outside linebacker. Well, we've seen him play, or at least practice, outside linebacker. And the decision by Darren himself, and of course I do what my boss tells me to do, Paul, we have come around and we are joining you and saying here on this Monday, June 5th, Zayvon Collins, outside linebacker for the 2023 Arizona Cardinals. If you, if we're all products of our education and our upbringing and our environment, three words. Think for yourself. Four years in Berkeley taught me, think for yourself. And so when you're seeing someone out there and they're playing outside linebacker, Craig Rielu, I ask you, okay, I put it to you. Have you seen him play any inside linebacker in the open portions that we're allowed to see? I have not. Exactly. So just believe your eyes. All we're seeing is Zayvon Collins is outside linebacker. So what we're saying is what we're seeing. And the way he talks about it, and when you ask the decision makers about it, have we encountered any pushback? Not specific, but no one's come out and specifically said he is just going to be an outside linebacker and is no longer an True. inside linebacker. We haven't had that yep. definitive response or that answer, although it was interesting to hear Collins say, quote, definitely want to get after the quarterback a little bit more than I did last year. He also used the percentage 30% of the time last season by his calculations. He played outside linebacker in various packages, either five down fronts or – you know, third and long, obvious passing situations, he would move to the edge. And while he was still calling the defense, by the way, and wearing the green dot. So it's not entirely new to him. And to your point, if you want to reverse engineer this, I guess theoretically there's no reason why in some packages he couldn't stay on the field and return inside, off the ball. But right now he's on the line of scrimmage. Now, is he especially uh, accustomed to being able to drop into coverage from his inside linebacker days? Yes, that's going to be his strength. He's going to excel at that. But you've seen him get some extra work with outside linebackers coach Rob Rodriguez, and they're working on not only different moves and technique and how to counter some of these pass 
blocking tackles, but they're they're talking philosophy. They're talking the actual you know essence of the position, how you should think as an edge defender, how you should attack, and and how you should go about playing the position itself. So look, there could be some packages where they run three edge guys out there and then Zayvon Collins at the last minute kind of comes off the ball either in a coverage situation on a back or a tight end or in something else to maybe flood the interior passing lanes in a zone type coverage absolutely I could see that but for right now based on uh, on what we've been allowed to see all we've seen is Zayvon Collins with the outside linebackers and that gets me to this point because we've only been out on the field a handful of times literally a handful of times so what are the other times that we are not seeing what is Zaven doing but what we are seeing and the individual instruction the time spent with Rob Rodriguez the outside linebackers for coach the former ASU Sun Devil it's not just during special teams work, which Zavin is not a part of, but there is a lot of one-on-one instruction. Nick Rollis, the defensive coordinator, has been spotted over there like a knowing or an observing father almost, like pay, really paying attention to not only the instruction that's given, but is Zavin responding? Is he getting it? And then when you're going through the motions with your position coach, the hand placement, the footwork, the hips, are you doing what is being taught? And then also add this, I've also seen, and I'm not the only one, but Zayvon Collins has been on the second floor here at the Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center in Coach Rodriguez's office. Now, that's not new. Players come up. They're in offices all the time. But I haven't seen him in the inside linebackers coach's office. <laughs> that's right. So going back to this, yep. what do we see? What do our eyes tell us? And right now here, Zayvon Collins, is it because of his skill set or is it because of need? Maybe a little bit of both, but coming off the edge, you're going to see number 25. Well, on Monday, June 5th, Jonathan Gannon fielded a series of questions about Zayvon Collins playing the outside linebacker position. And he said, among other things, he does think he has that skill set at 6'4", 260-something to be able to play the edge. He does have the explosiveness. They like that aspect of it. I asked him what do you think his biggest challenge is going to be in making that transition. He said just staying consistent because you know how it works, with especially with rookies, is okay, they might come out there and it's not necessarily what can they do. It's what do you fear in the situations when they don't execute their responsibility. It's when you – they might have a really high ceiling, but what coaches fear is the floor. How low can it go? How badly can we get beat? How badly are you out of position or making a mental mistake, You know, either an assignment or alignment? So with Zayvon Collins, I think they have to make sure there's a foundation, there's a floor, a baseline performance level they can count on, and then hopefully he'll flourish from there. Hopefully the fact, yeah, he does have the size and the speed, and hopefully the nose – for the football where he could be a playmaker. He could be a difference maker out on the edge. You would think, if nothing else, he, he definitely has the size and the strength to set the edge, which, for example, with B.J. Ojolari is the big question mark if you believe those collegiate scouting reports. The reason he fell out of the first round of the second round, ostensibly, reportedly, is because of his performance against the run at LSU. Now, other reports say he really wasn't asked. He wasn't used in that manner all that much. He was more just go get after the quarterback. You don't have to worry. You can play the run on the way to the queue. So we'll see exactly. Of course, we haven't seen a lot of B.J. Ojolari. But right now, look, 
it's always boils down to in the NFL, who's your quarterback and who's going to get after the quarterback. And so the Cardinals have a need at that outside edge rusher position. And why not? Right now, if Kaiser White is doing what Zayvon Collins did a year ago, and that is wearing the green dot, calling that defense, a guy who's very familiar and attuned to Jonathan Gannon's scheme and can step right in and be a player coach from day one, especially once these games start, to have that kind of guy out on the field is invaluable. So if that's Kaiser White this year, then you know what? Zayvon Collins, free his mind. Just like you, Grief, free your mind (laughs) of thinking in certain ways and go out there and just perform. And I don't think this is a negative on Zaven and what he did or did not do as an inside linebacker because I do think he was very capable and is still very capable of calling a defense. But to your point, you bring in a Kaiser White, you bring in a Chris Barnes, a Josh Woods, a number of inside linebackers were added either in free agency, the draft, or undrafted free agents by this new coaching staff. Not an indication of what they feel about Zayvon Collins, but if you're looking to get your best 11 on the field on defense, all right, well, we've got Kaiser White who knows this defense. We've got to figure out a way to get Zayvon Collins on the field if he's not going to be wearing that green dot or that quarterback of the defense. All right, let's move him to edge. He's got experience. No different than Isaiah Simmons. All right, he's one of our best 11. We're going to stick him in the secondary and let him do what he's done for the better part of a year now, and that's cover, whether as a slot or playing deep safety. Get your best 11 no matter what position, and then figure out what the scheme is going to be. But we have we have 11 top guys, and the biggest question, well, there's a lot of question marks, but one of the big question marks is who's rushing the quarterback because there's a lot of youth there, but just no one with a big resume that is going to put fear into anybody. Yeah, like by Jay Sanders last year. You know, he, he only got a handful of snaps in a number of games, but Passion Wolf called his name a lot, my Jay Sanders. Now, he cost himself some playing time, especially – the first half of last season as a rookie because some of the mistakes he made, he couldn't be counted on in certain situations, and I think in coverage quite a bit. So we'll see how they use him this year and whether he's tasked with that. But if you're talking about taking that big step from year one to year two, my Jay Sanders, I think, would factor into that. As far as Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins go, and we all know the stat that between Hassan Reddick, Isaiah Simmons, and Zayvon Collins, You had three first-round picks in recent Cardinals history, all drafted to play inside linebacker, who are now playing different positions. But ultimately, it's not about what position you play. It's what impact you make on the game. And that's exactly – that's the word that Jonathan Gannon used with Dave Pash on the Pash podcast was, okay, you know, what exactly is going to be the role for these guys? He said, I just need them to be impact players. Whether Isaiah's playing safety or somewhere else, whether Zayvon Collins playing the edge or somewhere else, their names need to be called by the dudes calling play-by-play. They need to be factors out there that the offense has to account for. So I think that if you want to zoom out on the big situation, yeah, we can sit here and we can parse and we can examine all the the minutiae of where they're playing and how many reps at certain areas. You know, I still think Isaiah Simmons will be using a variety of roles, but ultimately. They just have to live up to their first-round pedigree and the potential to be factors for an offense to have to game plan and account for. They need to be on the field. Yep. And and what role that is, it doesn't matter. They need to be on that football field. And let's go back to what we've discussed repeatedly as far as when you look at edge rusher and 36 sacks last season, not good enough. But half of that, 18 walked out the door between J.J. Watt's retirement and Zach Allen going to the Denver Broncos. So you look, all right, who's next? My Jay Sanders and Cameron Thomas each had three sacks a year ago. 
Saban Collins had two sacks, his first two of his career. There's not a lot of production in that room. Is this the year that Dennis Gardeck is able to do what he did a couple of years ago and have those seven sacks and 94 defensive snaps? It's a lot of unproven talent in that room at edge rusher and if that's where Zavin can make the biggest impact based off what else is on this roster at the linebacker position then you stick them out there get that experience now and hopefully it pays off all right let me give you some comments on what you just said in order of appearance first off that stat half your sacks walked out the door in Zach Allen and J.J. Watt that's a sobering statistic I mean that that is some hard reality that you have to deal with if you're that defensive coaching staff. How do we replace that? How do we generate a pass rush? We don't want to end up being this year's version of the Chicago Bears, which trailed everyone in the league with only 20 sacks, a paltry 20 sacks in 17 games. That's how you end up with the number one pick in the draft, like the Chicago Bears did a year ago, only to trade out and and cash that in. So that's number one. Number two, Dennis Gardek. He met the media recently, and I found it interesting that he's taking a different approach with his pass rush. In the past, according to Gardeck, he would just bring all the athleticism and fury off the edge and then sort of play it by ear, sort of freeform it from there. Not anymore. He's working diligently on technique and a variety of moves, and he's going to have a plan from the moment the ball is snapped, according to Dennis Gardeck. Which brings us to the new outside linebackers coach, Rob Rodriguez. This guy, Rob Rodriguez, is bidding to be the MVP of the assistant coaching crew if he can somehow get these outside linebackers into true productive fashion. Whether it's Zavin, whether it's Denrick Skardek recapturing some of that form we saw now, what? Was that three years ago? That was 2020, right? Yes, it was the COVID year when Chandler Jones, week five, tore his bicep. I remember it was at the Jets. It was an empty MetLife Stadium. Garda came in. I think he had two sacks in that game filling in. Surprised a lot of offensive linemen. Oh, my goodness. I mean, we stood. I remember Darren Irvin and I are up there in that empty visiting radio booth just standing up with our hands to our foreheads going where is this coming from Dennis Gardeck and then it continued the rest of the year his quarterback pressure rate was insane so if he can somehow recapture some of that along with some of those names we've already mentioned again Rob Rodriguez is has the potential to be a heck of a hire if he's that guy and and from all accounts he's taken a very different approach to what the Cardinals have done before both in what he's teaching and how he's teaching it. Zayvon Collins said he's using some voiceovers. He's actually doing some instructional videos that he's voicing over. He's sending a bunch of texts. He's using a lot of more of the modern technology to read. Late night texts or yeah. whatever. Just, hey, yeah. pay attention to this. When you come yeah. in the next morning, we're going to yeah. go through X, Y, and Z. You know, I'm dealing with some 20-somethings, and you know what? I'm going to communicate how they communicate. And, 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 and ultimately, you hope that's an effective teaching tool. Zayvon mentioned the philosophy that not only Coach Rodriguez, but this entire coaching staff, either side of the ball, there's a philosophy that is being taught. And then within that philosophy, Carlos Watkins brought it up earlier on Monday about there seems to be a little bit more freedom for these players to operate. And we've heard that a couple of different times this offseason. Yes, we have a structure. We have a way of doing things. But within that philosophy, you take what we are teaching you and then go do your job. And if it's a little bit different, okay. But if it's successful, that's the big thing. Are you successful doing what we need you to do within your role? 
I think that's what this coaching staff is really trying to push. And if we got them in the trust tree, I think they would say that their goal, their objective, is to get players on both sides of the ball to think less and react more. You know, look, it's a new scheme. So to Cole McCoy, the way he told it to the media, there are plenty of mistakes right now. They're cleaning up the mistakes. They're in the film room. They're repping it. Uh, there, look, there's a lot of demands from this coaching staff, but once they get the verbiage down, once it's second nature and they stop thinking and they just start playing again, I think there will be a lot less mentally for players on both sides of the ball to handle. And that, to your point, is going to free them up in more ways than one. Not only will they be given more freedom, but I think ultimately they're just going to have that mental freedom away from some of the, the assignments that can get a little onerous and, and, and keep them from maybe playing more instinctive. So there's that aspect of it. And, and look, everyone's going to have to adapt. It's not only a Cole McCoy. It's not only a Zayvon Collins, Isaiah Simmons. Dare I say it's a Jonathan Gannon himself? He was the architect of a defense a year ago in Philadelphia that led the league in sacks. And it wasn't even close. They had 15 more sacks than any other team. And by his own admission, and to the ire of Eagles fans, they didn't blitz a lot. They didn't have to. How's that going to go this year with the Cardinals? While you're still sort of figuring out that position, you're going to still have to get to the quarterback. How? I think ultimately, and maybe out of necessity, Jonathan Gannon's going to have to evolve. I'm very curious what the Cardinals' blitz rate is going to be this year as compared to the Eagles' defense year. You can't blitz any less than the Eagles did last year. I get it. But... He's going to have to change the way he thinks about it. Nick Rollis, I'm guessing, is going to be calling a much different defense than they orchestrated in Philly. Adapt or die. We've heard Jonathan Gannon talk about that. He did so recently on the Dave Patch podcast as far as, quote, the best coaches are adaptable. I went back, and I'm as guilty as everyone, wouldn't talking about this defense going to what, what did the Eagles do? Well, they ran a 4-3. 14 out of the 17 regular season games, they started with a four-down lineman front. Now, what they did afterwards, that's more difficult to kind of figure out. But what did they line up at? What was their base defense? I don't know if the 4-3 base defense is going to work given the roster and what you said. What do you need to do to affect the opposing quarterback? You might need to blitz more than we saw from a year ago because of how the roster is constructed. Where's your talent? And then if you don't affect that quarterback as a outside rusher or the defensive line, you're putting a lot of pressure on a very young, inexperienced secondary, specifically at the cornerback position. Of course, with the Eagles, you had Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave. You had some dudes in the trenches on the defensive side of the ball. So you played your strengths. And what you had on the roster, you had the massive six foot eight kid out of Georgia. His name escapes me in the first round pick, the man mountain, right? He was a rookie. So you had guys in the interior D-line. Dare I say, when I look at this Cardinals team, defensive line is probably the biggest question mark of any position group. So if for no other reason than you don't have that sort of depth in your defensive line room, this sort of proven talent yet on this roster – yeah, you're probably not going to go 4-3 because, to your point, you have to adapt to what you have in terms of talent. Now, whereas I look at what we've seen so far in the offseason and I really wonder if the Cardinals are going to need to add some veteran defensive line help, conversely, I look at the offensive line, and I'm pretty bullish, a lot more than 
than when this offseason started. And it's interesting because I was talking about this in the Big Red Rage recently with Wolf. That one of my takeaway is, you know what, that Cardinals offensive line is going to be better and deeper than people think. And then Colt McCoy said as much basically to the media just hours ago as of this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 that, yeah, you are seeing a deeper offensive line, an offensive line that is competing I mean, we've seen various iterations. I think there's going to be competition at multiple spots, and by design, both A, because they're trying to get the best out of these players, and B, I think the coaching staff is trying to discover what they have. I'm glad you brought up the offensive line as we continue here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, because there were different questions to Gannon about the O-line and different pieces, players moving different positions and then to hear Gannon say he might not know what the offensive line is going to look like his week one starting offensive lineup might not be known until the week of and then that brings into the question of continuity if you want your best five don't you want those guys repping a lot in practice now I don't I think pushing it to week one is a little much but they are doing different things along that offensive line one, because you have not seen D.J. Humphreys on the field. He's been spotted on the sideline, still working from that back injury. Calvin Beecham showed up on Monday for the first time, at least that has been open to the media. He's been absent from OTA. So there's two-fifths of your starting offensive line that have not been on the football field. So maybe by necessity, there's been a lot more rotation going on. Okay, now see, we differ on, on that last statement there. Two-fifths of the starting offensive line. I'm not quite buying that Kelvin Beecham is your starting right tackle. And Wolf doesn't doesn't agree with me, so it's fine. You, you once again, you know, I, I'm I'm just What do your eyes tell us? My eyes yeah, my eyes say and the situation says that it's Paris Johnson Jr. as a starting right tackle. But I'm not nearly as uh, certain of my own observation there as I as I am of Zayvon Collins as an outside linebacker. I'm not ready to say starting right tackle. I do believe Paris will be playing right tackle and then it's okay can you fend off or can you supplant your starter in Calvin Beecham and look we went into camp a year ago and Josh Jones was earmarked to be the starting right tackle and he got beat out he got beat out by by Calvin Beecham and it's sort of like when they used to run guys at AQ Shipley Mason Cole and some other right and you're thinking okay this is the year that ship mm, he's just going to be the backup guy he's going to be that depth dude playing the interior offensive line positions and then by the time the first week of camp is over it's not even close AQ Shipley would beat out all comers and he would stay your starting center could something like that happen with Kelvin Beecham? Maybe, but we're talking about the sixth pick overall. We're talking about the most talented offensive lineman in this draft. And the first Ohio State tackle to go in the first round since Orlando Pace. So this is a uh, very highly thought of and skilled and promising player in Paris Johnson Jr. Now, to come back to your initial statement, are we really believing the Cardinals are not going to settle on a starting offensive line until late in August? I don't believe that. No, there's, there's no way. No chance. Now, public, like, again, what are your eyes? That, that's the theme here. What are your eyes telling you versus what are your ears hearing from the head coach and right. others? Yeah. So, like, when the Cardinals go into these joint practices leading into the final preseason game in Minnesota, and let's just say there's a live team session of any sort, or like there's nine on seven or some, something of that goal line, live goal line. I think the offensive line you're running out there in that situation 
is most definitely going to be your starting offensive line week one at Washington. I think you'll know by then, and you'll need to give those guys reps together by then if you want to try and get the best out of them come the opener at Washington. Well, you heard Colt McCoy earlier on Monday talk about how much time he and Yelda Froholt have spent together, and Froholt hasn't got a lot of starting experience at the center position, but what he does have is that relationship with offensive coordinator Drew Petzing and the knowledge of that offense that Petzing ran with the Cleveland Browns, which is now coming here to the Arizona Cardinals as far as what we've heard, a little bit more of a rushing attack. The ground game is going to be more prevalent. The 10 personnel, which was, in Colt's own words, the identity of the previous regime, that's going to go out the window. We're going to see a lot more two tight end sets. Again, those were Colt McCoy's words on Monday. And they were echoed last week by Trey McBride when he was on 98.7 Arizona Sports. He said essentially a lot more, 11 and 12 personnel, even some 13 personnel which still begs the question to me after defensive linemen is this is this uh, GM Monty Asavor going to add another tight end or two going into camp I'm, I'm very curious about that might just depend on the availability of Zach Ertz maybe who's been seen yep. on the sideline working yep. and ramping up his rehab yep. but is he available is he going to be available week one yep. that's his yep. goal he's we'll publicly see. stated but yep. to your point if you're going to run multiple tight ends you better have multiple yeah. tight ends on your roster. Yeah. And the honest answer is we don't know. Between Zach Ertz and Kyler Murray, no one truly knows what is the timetable, what's realistic. We do know that Brees Hall, the uh, rookie running back last year out of Iowa State for the New York Jets, went down in week seven with a torn ACL. He's already back in Jets camp, and they clocked him at 22 miles per hour Wow! on, on the next gen. I mean, so like, he looks really good. So we'll see. Uh, we can only hope, if, if you're a Cardinals fan, that Zach Ertz and Kyler Murray make such a recovery that quick. But getting back to Cole McCoy and, and what this offense is going to look like towards the end, after we use warmed up a little bit, I lobbed out there a question towards the end. Hey, James Conner said one of the things he's really looking forward to most is running the ball more in this new offense. You know, what can you tell so far? How different is it going to be, the mentality, just sort of the approach on offense? And he said, among other things, he said, what we're doing right now is very similar to the way that I played most of my career. We're huddling. We're using cadence. You know, we're doing a lot of new things for the Cardinals as opposed to last year. Um, and so, yeah, I think they are going to be a much more traditional offense. And I do believe, just my gut feeling, that Colt to start the season will be under center much more than we've ever seen in the past. So, um, you know, it's – I just think – and look, I'll say this much. His comments on the on the offensive line, for those people who believe the Cardinals have a chance to defy the pessimism, right, the doubters, dare I say the haters out there, that the Cardinals are going to be big-time underdogs in every single game they play this season, if there's one path to exceeding expectations, it's having a good offensive line. Yes, you lost DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, yes, you may not have – you know some other weapons like some of the other teams, but guess what? If you have a stout offensive line, it makes up for a lot of that. Just like conversely, look at the Rams last year. They had zero offensive line. Disaster. Didn't matter. Cooper Cup didn't have nearly the same season once Andrew Whitworth was gone, and that offensive line was a liability. Those players in the Rams couldn't do nearly what they had done the year or two before because the Rams, all of a sudden the Rams' offensive line was a disaster, and honestly it doesn't look like it'll be much better this year. 
So to me, if you're looking to either believe or discredit a certain team, just look at the offensive line, and I think that'll tell you a lot about their fortunes that season. It doesn't have to be individually the best five individuals, but collectively as a group, the offensive line, are you protecting the quarterback? Are you opening up rushing lanes? And then just to hear Colt talk about Froholtz, as mentioned, even kind of like having a Rodney Hudson out there. Again, not comparing the two, but as far as a center that can identify the defense, make the proper line calls, the line checks, which makes it easier for the guys on either side and for the quarterback behind him as well. You need someone on that offensive line who's smart enough, and I think maybe the talent, and this might go for the entire roster, Paul, the talent might not be where everyone wants it to be, but it's more than just talent that wins football games. Do you know where what you're doing, where you're supposed to be, because talent always doesn't yeah. win in this game. And let's face it, you know, mental errors and discipline was an issue last year in that four-win season. Zayvon Collins, getting back to Zayvon, told a story about the head coach put him on blast because day one he walked into the team meeting and he had his bowl of scrambled eggs, which he had done historically, and that was just part of his routine. He'd walk in with breakfast in hand into the first team meeting of the day. He walked in the next day, and big number 25 was up on the PowerPoint slideboard. He's like, oh, geez, why is my number up there? And then he found out that he'd been admonished by the head coach. No eating in the team meetings. Just get there 10 minutes earlier and have your breakfast and be ready to go because if you're eating, you're not fully vested into what's on the board. And, and look, I like that. Now, these are grown men eating in the meeting room. You're saying, ah, oh, what's the big deal? That's not going to win or lose you a game. Well, the mentality will, though, because in the NFL, little things are big things. Little things get you beat. The talent is good enough on virtually every team unless you're an outs- absolute outlier on either side of the equation. It's those little things. When the vast majority of games are decided by a touchdown or less, which means – the vast majority of games come down to a handful of plays, and it can be any aspect. And then if you have a team where different guys are taking their turn, making different mistakes at different times in a game, guess what? You've got a sub-500 team. You've got a team with a losing season. And and as long as we're in the trust tree, that was the Cardinals last year. Different guys taking their turn to make their one error. Per- now, if you have the discipline and you can eliminate that, Guess what? You, you're you on a path to being a winning franchise again. Zavin added about the different vibe in the building and that there is pressure, but in the good kind as far as jobs on the line, this is what is required of everyone because everyone has a job to do. And to your point, if you're not doing your job or if you're not paying attention, 100% of your attention and focus should be on what is up front in those meeting rooms because if it's not, then – how you prepare is how you play. And guess what? You have no equity built up with this coaching staff. Zero. Yeah, they can say, okay, Colt McCoy is in his 14th season. You know, Zayvon Collins, former first-round pick. Okay, what have you done for us? What have you done for this regime? These decision-makers need to come to a conclusion about how you serve this team. And so for that reason, when Zayvon Collins says guys are feeling the pressure, I think he means in more ways than one in that, guess what? I have to reprove myself all over again. There is nothing built up with my position coach, nothing built up with my coordinator and the head coach, new GM. 
when they're out there practicing and and going through even things that you know most people would deem as meaningless as an OTA, guess what? There's all new sets of eyes out there watching and observing and trying to decide. Monty Osivort is out there with a bucket hat on and the sunglasses incognito saying, okay, hmm, do I need to bolter this position room or not? What do I have out here? So, yes, you can feel it. There's a different vibe, and I think also that pressure is palpable right now as there has already been a lot of change, and I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of camp there's a lot more change because I don't see many allegiances between the new decision-makers and the existing roster. Cole McCoy going into his 14th season talking about how important these days are because he feels, and I'm putting words in his mouth, but just listening to him, this is all new to him. It's almost like, to your point, he has to reprove himself no different than anyone else, despite the fact that he's got double-digit years in the league on him, but he is no different than a B.J. Ojolari who's coming in as a rookie or a Paris Johnson Jr. who's coming in as a rookie. You're all on evil footing as far as what you know that this coaching staff wants and expects out of you. I mean, if you come out there and you get outplayed by David Blau or Jeff Driscoll, then why is the coaching staff beholden to you, Cole McCoy? We have two other veteran quarterbacks. You might be number one on the people's depth chart right now, but we have no idea what the depth chart looks like inside the head coach, the head coach's office or, or up on the war room wall for, for the GM. Yeah, okay, we might be penciling in Cole McCoy right now. How do we know? Based on what? So... We'll see. You know, how are things going behind the scenes? Uh, now, look, if you're telling me who's going to be your week one quarterback minus Kyla Murray, I- I'm guessing it's Cole McCoy. But if it's really close and a Driscoll or David Blau balls out and then you have the rookie Clayton Toon, well, I'm guessing is going to be on this roster regardless. We're already, we've already heard enough good things yep. about Clayton Toon and what he's done that he's going to get every opportunity, I think, in August in the preseason games. At the very least, I think they'll give him the second half of every preseason game. That's just my guess. And then they'll see what the kid has. And uh, once again, you know, why, why, would, why would a Cole McCoy not be feeling the pressure himself? For even though he has everything he's done in this league for nearly 15 years. Good news for Colt, though. He says he's 100% healthy. He was dealing with an elbow issue. That is why he had not been throwing early in off-season workouts, but he is ready to go. And there's no reason why, if it's not Kyler Murray week one, that it wouldn't be Colt McCoy. But to your point, we don't know. We think we know what's going to happen. We just don't know, but goes back to how we began this show. What do our eyes tell us? Zaven Collins is an outside linebacker, and right now Colt McCoy is throwing the ball, and he's looking pretty good at it. So look, I just think when you look at this team, there are so many questions that still need to be answered. And you're going to go into camp, and it's going to be it's going to be eventful. I think it's going to. This isn't the 2016 Cardinals, where they come in after the 13 and three year and a trip to the NFC Championship, and training camp was utterly disposable. They knew exactly what their starting lineup was. They knew everybody's roles. Just try and keep everyone healthy. Let's roll in and try and make it to the Super Bowl. Remember, it's not about the Super Bowl. It's about a Super Bowl ring was the words of Bruce Arians. This is going to be completely different going into this training camp. You're not necessarily saving anyone for anything. I don't know exactly how physical it's going to be. 
in this training camp. You're getting different reports as to how the Eagles did it, for example, a year ago. But once again, the Eagles were coming off a playoff appearance. And so uh, we'll see. I'm, I'm very curious. But if nothing else, I think that, especially with full pads on, this coaching staff and Giamani Asavor still have a lot to figure out about their own roster. And they want to see it with their own eyes. Sure, you can see it on film. They want to see it for themselves in, in real time. Well, they brought in a number of new faces, a lot of rookies as well. And speaking of the rookies, the newest Flight Plan episode, which will debut on Thursday, June 8th at 7 p.m. on the Cardinals' official YouTube channel, will be all about the rookies. Take you inside the draft room on day one. Paris Johnson's first visit to the facility, rookie minicamp, the rookies at a D-backs game over the weekend. I'm looking forward to how much we get to see outside of what we haven't already seen before as far as that night one of draft night yes. and those 20 minutes, well, it felt like 20 minutes, but really 10 minutes less than that as far as the chaotic scene inside the draft room where General Manager Monty Austin Ford worked two different deals in order to get Paris Johnson Jr. in addition to draft picks in 2024. Yeah, this Cardinals flight plan is going to take us inside the war room. That's why worth the price of admission alone. Just, just some of that footage because anecdotally, the more I hear about draft night in the Cardinals war room and Monty Asifort taking multiple teams on multiple lines under the two-minute warning on the clock, <laughs> there were some people who internally were gripping in there like, okay, any time now. Do we have a decision? I need the card. Do we have a deal? Give me the card. We've got a rookie GM. He knows what he's doing, right? And then, turns out he did. And turns out it was a home run. You have the Houston Texans first round pick next year, and you got the player you wanted in that future tackle, Paris Johnson Jr. But it doesn't mean there wasn't a lot of drama and a lot of beads of sweat on people's foreheads as they went through that process. Drop from 3 to 12, move from 12 to 6. How much we see of that? Hey, the newest episode of Flight Plan coming up on Thursday, June 8th, 7 p.m. on the Cardinals' official YouTube channel. And on that note, we'll put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 where it was all about Paul Calvisi. No. Yes, it is. All about Paul Calvisi. The edition of Cardinals Cover 2 brought to you by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Almohundro. For the man himself, Paul Calvisi, I am merely Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2. Anybody got a stick of gum?